We are currently going through a series here at the church called Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. And uh, again, if you've not picked up this book, uh, we are just a little over halfway through it, through this series. So it's not too late to get it and catch up with us. Uh, it is, uh, you can find a free PDF online. Uh, so look at this cover and you see what it looks like when you see that, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Uh, I have found a, a free version online. So if you would like to get it there, save you about 15 bucks. But uh, this is what we're going through. And I think it's important because in the day and age in which we live, there are a lot of churches out there. And I'm sure Jacob could attest to uh, that after 270 plus concerts, he's probably seen all types of churches. And uh, guys, some are good and some not so good. Some are healthy and some not so healthy. And just like our physical bodies, we want to be healthy. Spiritually, we need to be healthy. And so uh, these are biblical principles and biblical truths that have been placed in here. This isn't original by Mark Dever, the author. This is the author of the Holy Spirit who's given us these things in Scripture so that we can be healthy, spiritually speaking, and that we as a church family can be healthy. Today's nine mark uh, is mark number five, and it's evangelism. But I want to show you a clip, and many of you have seen this clip before. We've used it here in a Wednesday night Bible study. Um, on the subject of evangelism, I, I would venture to guess most Christians, we struggle with being vocal with our faith. We've all heard it. Well, you know, my faith is something personal, therefore I must keep it private. I just want to live in such a way that people see a difference and that will speak to them. Well, that may be nice and fine and dandy, but unless you share the good news of Jesus Christ, unless you share the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the atoning, uh, for atonement of the sins of mankind, they may just think, you're some other religious person. I know a lot of really nice Buddhists and a, a, a lot of really super uh, self-righteous uh, Islamic people, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. Guys, just living a good life without vocally sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is never going to convert a soul. God has called us all as believers to share our faith. Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, preacher does not matter. We have all been called to be witnesses of Christ. And that requires us sharing our faith. I want you to see this clip of an atheist who understands and I think articulates why you as believers... Remember, this guy's not a believer I'm getting ready to show you. He is not a believer in Jesus Christ. But he sees and understands the importance more than probably most Christians. Check this out. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. 
and um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, I, uh, it's not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of. Uh, proselytizing and then he said I'm a businessman I'm I'm sane I'm not crazy and he looked me right in the eye and did all of this and uh, it was really wonderful I believe he knew that I was an atheist But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, liked your show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, 
That's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man, that was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. Didn't know we was going to get that in a little extra promo. Two things he got wrong. Psalms is uh, not in the New Testament. And the big one, yes, there is a God. And he will one day stand before him. But guys, the one thing he got right, how much do we really have to hate someone to not tell them there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. If we really believe this message that we've been entrusted with, why are we not going and telling it on the mountain? This has been given to us, church. It's not been given to the atheists yet. He made a better case than, than I've heard in a while. And he hit the nail on the head. Well, I just don't want to be awkwardly, you know, that, that social awkwardness. Or what if, they, what if they don't receive it? And I pray today's message will help us all. And then tonight in your care groups, I really hope you'll be a part of this discussion. Because, gang, we have got to get back to evangelizing the lost. We have the cure of a disease that has affected every soul of mankind. We have the cure. And for us to keep that to ourselves is not loving at all. What is evangelism? Well, let me begin with what evangelism is not. Okay? Now, some of these things that we're going to unpack here, you're going to be like, huh? Um, please hear me out. I'm not saying the things are bad that we're going to highlight. A lot of these things are great, awesome, good, and we should incorporate them with evangelism. But these things are not evangelism so it is not imposition now look at this passage of scripture if you would first corinthians 3 5 through 7 you can turn there or you can look here who then is paul and who is apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the lord gave to each one i planted apollos watered but god gave the increase so then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Sometimes we go with evangelism as if it depends on us. And I think that's uh, tragic because what ends up happening when we put it, the weight on our shoulders, we think we're something, we think it's dependent upon us. And so when things don't go the way we want it to go, we feel like failures. And that oftentimes prevents us from trying it again. We don't want to share our faith again because the last time I got shut down. You remember the testimony I gave you guys a few weeks back and, and how in Bible college I got ridiculed by like, you know, 25 high school kids that just, you know, laughed at me and made fun of me because I was trying to share the gospel with them and I didn't have answers to their questions. It's okay when you don't have answers to the questions because 
what usually happens if you're an honest student of the Word of God, you're going to go back and you're going to study to find those answers. And your faith is grown and strengthened as a result. Guys, we're not going to share evangelism by pushing our agenda on people. It's not up to you. It's not up to me. Can I get a deacon to kill the, cut that air down? It's like really hot. When I'm looking out here, you know, I know we all wore out from Jacob just tearing it up, man. That broke sweat on me just watching. I don't know if I could get, uh, let me look around here because I might have to single somebody. Thank you, Brother Carver. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. We can crank that down to about 60. <laughs> just kidding, ladies. Just kidding. Guys, it's not imposition. Evangelism is not imposition. It's not personal testimony. Oh, well, wait a minute, preacher. I thought, um, I thought it was, you know, you're supposed to evangelize through sharing your testimony. Well, you may use your testimony in the act of evangelism. But your testimony is your testimony. It's how the gospel of Jesus Christ impacted you. But that doesn't tell them how the gospel impacts them. Your testimony is your testimony. Do you understand the difference? I still need to communicate to them the good news of what Christ has done for them. And if they are willing to repent and believe, they can receive the benefit of the cross and their life can be transformed. They can be born again. They can have a testimony. And that testimony will look a lot different from theirs. So sharing your testimony is good, but sharing your testimony is not evangelism. Everybody understand the difference, right? We see this. So it's not personal testimony. Though we are called in Scripture to do this. I want to give you an example. Notice if you would, Matthew, uh, or I'm sorry, Mark 5, 18 through 19. This is in the ESV. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Guys, as believers, you've been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has touched your life. You should have that desire to go and tell others. It's not a personal testimony. Acts 1.8, we've all been commissioned. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God may choose to work through the sharing of your testimony, but in the midst of your testimony, you must give the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not social action. Or political involvement. This is in our day, this is where a lot of people think it is. Again, the liberal movement is growing in, in social action. Guys, these are good things, not necessarily bad. But this is not what we're called to do. We're not called, we're going to offend some people, but hear me out. You're not called to make America great again. We're called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom to come. 
This is not our home. There are some preachers who want you to think you can have your best life now. Guys, if this is your best life now, you're going to hell. The best life is to come. The best kingdom is to come. Christ ruling and reigning, Lord. We're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ that people can be born again into the kingdom of God because one day the kingdom is going to be here upon the earth. It's spreading now through every soul that's converted. We're adding people to the kingdom of God with every convert. Now, don't misunderstand what I said. Sharing your testimony is good, right? Social action, political involvement is good. Making America great again is good. But don't confuse your mission. Our mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's look at it. Let me go back there. I want to read that. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Again, we're reminded of this in Matthew 16, 24. In 26, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Guys, point is this. Let's say, let's just say for a second, that you got everything you wanted in this world. You got everything you wanted in this world. Is this world our home? No. It's not. So what does it profit? What does it profit if, if, if I put my shoulder to the grind and, and, and politically speaking, we, we get our guy, we vote our guy in, we, we get all the things we want. And my neighbor dies and goes to an eternal hell. I get all the retirement hopes and dreams I wanted. But my family members that I never shared the gospel with who enjoyed my boat every weekend died and went to hell. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? This is not evangelism. It's not apologetics. As much as Tyson and myself love some apologetics, apologetics has often been called pre-evangelism, pre-evangelism, kind of you know, tilling the ground before the seed is sown, so to speak. But guys, the evangelism is not apologetics. Acts 26, 20. Um, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. There's the gospel. Now, Paul would oftentimes go into the synagogues and reason from the scriptures. And, and again, we should do this. Apologetics, giving a defense, a reason for the hope that's within you. This is good. We need to be equipped in these things. But just because you can 
prove the historicity of the resurrection of Christ is not necessarily the applied gospel to the person. Just because you can defend the virgin birth and articulate that argument does not mean that that translates to the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, it can be used in the presentation of the gospel, and I encourage that you should use apologetics, but just because you philosophically prove the existence of God, that does not prove the gospel of Jesus Christ. That does not present the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is not you proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we're called to present, to proclaim the gospel. Repent and believe. Hey, you know what this reminds me of? Last week's sermon sounds a lot like repent, receive, rely, turn, take, trust. That passage sounds a lot like what we presented in the gospel section. It's not the results of evangelism. This is a big one in our day. Guys, a lot of people get this one mixed up. I even had a person this week, and I, and I understand, I try, you know, I, I try to be nice when I hear this, but I hear this a lot, you hear this a lot. We had a great week of sports camp, man, awesome sports camp this week. Gospel was given every day. Um, it was just wonderful. It was wonderful. And I had a family near the end of the week. So, so how many people have responded? How many people got saved this week? You have to ask the Lord that. Because only the Lord knows the heart. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You see, we've gotten into this bad habit of judging evangelism as successful or unsuccessful based upon the response. That's pragmatism. We don't go at church life being pragmatic. You talk about feeling, yeah, guilty and, 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 and uh, defeated. and Guys, God doesn't call us to produce the results. That's his business. Salvation's of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 15, 16. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death, leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life, leading to life. And it was sufficient for these things. What's his point? My point is this. Guys, this week we proclaimed the gospel. Me, Tyson, and Nate proclaimed the gospel. In that room... There were people that that message was sweet aroma life. To some, it was the stench of death. Same message, same gospel, different result. That's not con contingent upon you, Christian. The results are not contingent upon you. Let me let, let, me let you off the hook. Because this is big time freeing. When you realize that your only responsibility in the gospel is to be faithful to proclaim it. That's your responsibility, my responsibility, to faithfully proclaim it. You're not responsible whether they reject it, slap you, throw hot water on you, sick their dog on you. I know you're thinking, ah, oh, you're really making me want to evangelize, preacher. The results are not up to you, though. 
God brings the increase. We must be faithful to proclaim it. Bless you, my brother. See, he was getting ready to throw this water in my face, and he changed his heart. Thank you for the repentance. Thank you. Evangelism is not a making of proselytes. It is not persuading people to make a decision. This is the other trap we've fallen into in the church. We play just as I am 20 times and beg them and plead and, 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 and strike up the chords of the violins and give them a sad story about a puppy and their mommy. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, they're emotionally responding. That's manipulation. That's coercion. That's not conversion. And I'm afraid we've got a lot of people filling pews that responded emotionally. But they've never really been born again. It's not persuading people to make a decision. It's not proving that God exists or making a good case for the truth of Christianity. It is not inviting someone to a meeting. It's not exposing the contemporary dilemma or rousing interest in Christianity. It's not wearing a badge saying, Jesus saves. This is not evangelism. Some of these things are right and good in their place. But none of them should be confused with evangelism. To evangelize is to declare on the authority of God what He's done to save sinners, to warn men of their lost condition, to direct them to repent, and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't give the good news without the bad news. The bad news is we've offended a holy God, and we are at odds with him. We are his enemy. His wrath abides on us. And unless something is done, the wrath, the judgment of God will fall rightly and justly because he's just and holy. But Jesus Christ came so that the wrath would fall upon him. Jesus Christ stood in our position. He stepped in the way of that wrath. And he said, I'll take that wrath. I'll take that punishment upon myself. And I will offer to them my righteousness. I want to give them uh, to their account. I will bestow upon them. I will impute to them my righteousness, Father. And so the Father pours out his wrath upon his Son at the cross of Calvary. Because Jesus never sinned. He lived a perfect life. He kept the law. He was perfect in every way, whereas we were not. And so he is allowed by that right to bestow upon us righteousness. He can impute to you and me what's on his account, and he can deposit it to our account. Where all you and I have to give him is our sin. But it pleased the Father to do this. God loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever should believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And to as many as receive Him, to as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. And so when that uh, illumination in my mind penetrates my heart, there's the desire to surrender my life as I know it, 
to embrace the cross, to embrace Christ, to receive Christ. There's a new desire, a new heart. There's the new birth. And I want to live in a way where I rely and trust upon Christ. Not my righteous deeds, not my good deeds, but Him. Who should evangelize? Well, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That even to the end of the age makes it apply to us, guys. Who should evangelize? You should. I should. We should. The disciples, the followers of Christ. Acts 8, 1 through 4. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At the time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. This is in regards to Stephen. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging of men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. What? Going to church on Sunday? Is that what it says? What does it say, church? Preaching the word. Guess what? I'm not the only preacher in the room. You guys have been commissioned to proclaim the gospel. Those are lay folks. That's not apostles. That's not pastors, deacons. That's lay folk proclaiming the good news. Acts 11, 19 through 20. Now those who were scattered, here you see it again, after the persecution that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But... Some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who then they had, uh, and when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. There's your scriptural authority, guys. There's your evidence. There's your proof in the pudding. God expects you to evangelize. Why should we evangelize? A desire to be obedient to the Great Commission. There's one reason. A desire to be obedient to the Great Commission. A love for the loss. And I would say, even before that, a love for God. Uh, John 14, 5 tells us this importance. How should we evangelize? Tell people with honesty that if they repent and believe, they will be saved but it will be costly. When's the last time you heard that in an invitation? Surrender your life to Christ. Repent and believe and you will be saved, but it's going to cost you a lot. For some of you, it's going to cost you your marriage. For some of you, it's going to cost you your job. For some of you, it may cost you your life. For some of you, it's going to mean you lose your child. For some of you, it means you're going to lose your best friend. For some of you, it's going to be that you're going to, you're going to lose that relationship with your mom or your dad. Won't you come? Won't you come? Guys, this is the truth. Look through the pages of Scripture. 
We've got to stop presenting evangelism as if, you know, you just need Jesus and everything's going to be all right. Because quite honestly, in my years, 20 years of ministry, a lot of times when people are truly born again and follow after Christ, the closer they follow Christ, the more havoc and upside down their world becomes. And God has counted them worthy to suffer for His namesake. Wow! Wow! If you're going through some stuff and you're right with God, wow! Praise be to God. He counted you worthy to suffer for His namesake. Tell people with urgency that if they repent and believe, they will be saved. But they must decide now. Guys, listen, this is not something we need to, to, to just, you know, well, we can talk about it next. Guys, this is urgent. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what a day will bring forth. Salvation is now. Salvation is today. We need to tell people with joy that if they repent and believe the good news, they will be saved. However difficult it may be, it is worth it. It is worth it. There is joy. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I saw that mean down in my cart. You see the little joy thing they bought and put it in the cart? Uh, Seth got that one. Thank you, Seth, for laughing at that. I'll take another one when we go to the grocery store. All right. This is how we should evangelize. Martyred missionary Jim Elliott said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And as you know, he was, he was killed sharing the gospel. How should we evangelize? Use the Bible. <laughs> There's an idea. Uh, think about Philip, the evangelist, remember? The guy was looking at Isaiah and he couldn't figure it out and he said, what are you reading? Let me take a look. Let me explain to you. Oh yeah, this is testifying of Christ. Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Use the Bible, guys. It, God has promised to bless His Word. His Word will not return void. The new birth is found in the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Plant the seed of God. Use the Bible. Realize that the lives of individual Christians and of the church as a whole are a central part of evangelism. God has put us together with our differing gifts, our differing abilities, so that we can work together in unity for the, sake of evangelism, uh, uh, for the sake of evangelism. No greater example than what we just had this week. Guys, it was awesome! Some of you brought your kids out. You saw it. I mean, we, we had, I, I don't know, total numbers, but I mean, we were up, you know, 70-plus with the parents and the kids, and the gospel every day was given. That's when I do get excited about numbers, excited about the fact that there was X amount of people there to hear the gospel. And you had a part in that. The church, your resources, your giving, your prayers, your time, your talent, it all went for the sake of the gospel this week. There was purpose, not just teaching kids skills about soccer and teaching kids skills about volleyball or skills about basketball. As great as that was, that was not the purpose. It was to make much of Christ. And Community Baptist Church, well done. Well done. Remember, to pray. What we did this week is in vain if there's not prayer before it, during it, and after it. Continue to pray for it. Continue to pray for it. We must pray. Build relationships with non-Christians. 
Alright? Find some non-Christians. Now, don't go on their turf. You bring them on yours. <laughs> you know what I'm saying by that, right? It's like Grandma used to say, now if you lay with the dogs, you're going to get the fleas. So, you know, I want you to meet non-Christians. And I want you to interact with non-Christians. I want you to do so purposefully. So if you don't know any non-Christians, and let me just tell you, as a pastor, i got to go out of my way to find interaction with non-believers because I'm always dealing with the sheep as part of my responsibility. But I tell you, i got a lot of opportunities, right? Everywhere we go, we need to utilize it for, for an opportunity, right? Um, it was funny, i got to tell you this quick story, and the time's getting away from us, so we want to wrap it up. Um, the couple, the family that's uh, using part of their um, connection with getting us the marriage retreat uh, condos. Uh, I was calling her to work out all the information and the details, and uh, I said, I'm going to have to call you back, Louie, and I'm getting ready to go in and get a haircut. She said, okay, that's fine. So when I came back out um, get my haircut, she said, do you still use your haircut to evangelize? And I forgot, I told her that like 12 years ago, and she remembered that. And I said, yes, it's great, but it makes for a bad haircut. <laughs> you know, I usually try to wait to the end of the almost done, and then I'll try to engage them with the gospel. Because I did it on the early end, and you hear things like, oops. <laughs> Never want to hear oops when you're on the uh, doctor's table or getting your haircut, just saying. But guys, we've got opportunities every day. You're out and about the gas station. Mark's got to tell this story sometime because it's killing me <laughs> to not want to tell it. But I'm going to go ahead and tell some of it. Mark had an opportunity at a gas station the other day. Share the good news and encourage some folks. Prayed with some folks. Guys, opportunity is everywhere, every day. We've got to evangelize. Work together with other Christians to take the gospel to those who don't live around any Christians. This is called missions. And Community Baptist Church, you're doing it. Is as we support our missionaries, they are proclaiming the good news in non-Christianized areas and places around the world. As was mentioned in the last business meeting, there, there is some need in our missions. Please see Pastor Dean if you want to... How can I help with our missions? Please see Pastor Dean. He can tell you a little more about that. The Apostle Paul was afraid to evangelize. And I understand this is the reason. On surveys, survey after survey, most of us are, this is the real, real nitty-gritty. This is the real answer. I'm afraid. I'm scared. As we say in LaGrange, I'm scared. Paul was no different. The Apostle Paul was no different than you. Check this out. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I'm with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Guys, did you know God has many people in Goldsboro, LaGrange, Kinston, surrounding area? He's even got people in Shine and Jason. Anyway. But he wants you and me to not be afraid to share the good news. Because he desires that no one should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And he wants to use you in that chain of events. So here's the conclusion.
We must recognize the importance of this good news of Jesus Christ. Until we do, we can learn nothing helpful about evangelism. Evangelism will be no more for us than an unpleasant duty or an occasional impulse. But when the message of the cross captures our hearts and captivates our imaginations, our tongues, stammering, halting, insulting, awkward, sarcastic, imperfect as they may be, won't be far behind. As Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Church, what is your heart full of? What is your heart full of? What do you spend your words on? May we delight in the things of God and the cross of Calvary because Christ is coming again and one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the amazing good news of Jesus Christ that he came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. And Lord, that's us. Mankind is lost because of the fall, because of the sin that separates us from a holy God. But yet, Lord, you've made a way that we can be forgiven, that we can be cleansed, that we can be made right, that we can actually be born again. The spirit that's in us is dead, but you come to make it alive. And the Spirit of God quickens us. Lord, may we repent and believe and trust in who Christ is, His completed work of the cross, His resurrection, and His coming again. May you fill our hearts so that the abundance of our mouth would speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ until he comes again. In Jesus' name, amen.